Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Cass. And we are back for season six. We're back. Thanks to everybody for uh, hopefully sticking with us after our, our Christmas and January hiatus. Yes, we decided that Valentine's Day was the best day to bring back your favorite podcast about platonic best friends. Yeah, that's what Valentine's Day is all about, right? It's about platonic love between friends. And candy. And candy, right. Um, so this week we're going to jump into it. Uh, the premiere of season six really gets right back to the action where we left it with season five. So here is the episode description, and then we will kind of catch everybody up where we left off. Episode one, Dames at Sea. Will and Jack awake in a precarious position while at sea. Grace discovers love letters in Leo's bag from a female colleague. And that's pretty much where we left off after season five. Yeah, admittedly, all of that stuff also happened in the finale of season five. So. Yeah, but this uh, the episode six uh, obviously takes those two cliffhanger plots to their logical, in my opinion, conclusion. Yes. Um, so the episode kind of kicks off immediately after, like, kind of establishing that these two things happen at the same time. Yes. You know, Will and Jack are in bed freaking out. Yep. And Grace pops in to tell them to think about the letter and is absolutely unaware of what's yep, happening to them. just completely oblivious to the fact that they're in bed together. And then she pops back in at one point. Like, outraged, and you think, oh, yeah, Grace finally she got it. it. Yeah. And she's like, you guys have a tiny CD player? I hate the sea. <laughs> she's just, like, so petty that the idea that she doesn't have a tiny CD player is very yeah. upsetting to her. We also jump back in really quickly to Karen's plotline. As listeners know, last episode, Karen was pushed off the boat by Lorraine. She went overboard. And then magically found herself saved by Rosario. Yes. And they ended up on a raft full of vodka. As revealed in deleted scenes. Yes. Because it it was like a Russian naval ship or something. Um, As described by Karen, there are 300 dirty sailors and one unisex bathroom. (laughs) So all around sounds like a great time. Um, I don't really even know why Karen had a plot this week, but she did. She had a plot where Rosario saved her life, as established. And so she wanted to have, what was it, a day off every other week? It It was like once a month she wanted a Friday off. Yeah. So there's, like, a recurring bit where she keeps showing up, and, like, she's like, Rosie's making this ridiculous demand! Will, stop it! Yes, because it it sounds like she keeps saving Karen's life over the course of the episode. Karen has a bad week. It never happens on screen. Well, the second time we see, we hear about it is Karen, you you know, she's like, well, you know how I'm in a gang. Right. And everyone is like, we did not know this. And she's like, well, I I flashed the wrong colors in the wrong neighborhood, and then suddenly we were surrounded, and then Rosie got me in the limo, and anyways, now she wants a pizza party with the other maids. And I'm just like, frankly, it sounds like Karen is getting off super easy. Right. Even Will says, like, I can't believe you are asking for so little after doing so much. Right. Like, Rosario should be like, I want out of my contract. I want a million dollars. I want to talk to my family again. Right. But instead, she's just like, I want one Friday off a month and the occasional pizza party. You kind of get the sense that if Rosario had come back to the show in the revival, there would have been an episode that revealed that she hated her family the whole time. Right. And this was actually a very convenient excuse for her. Yes. Um... But anyways, so that that kind of like thrives through the whole episode and then ends with a tag where uh, she's in Will's apartment and Will's like, Rosario, or Karen, it doesn't count as saving Rosario's life if you held a toaster over her bathtub and didn't drop it. <laughs> um, <sighs> but most of the episode is devoted to these two competing plots. I would say they're kind of competing A-plots. Yeah, neither of them really asserts their dominance as the A-plot. Yeah, and you know, as, as plots do, you know, they beat on their chest... <laughs> 
Sorry, I've been reading a lot of fan fiction lately, so basically I'm just like, the, the plots battled for dominance, much like tongues do in fan fiction. I thought you were thinking more of the gorilla chest beating thing, and I was like, what fanfics are you reading? You don't want to know. <laughs> I'm on the dark web, reading dark fanfic. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm trying to think of the like creepy gorilla villain in DC, like I'm thinking of like an AU. Oh, Gorilla Grodd, I think. Ooh. Gorilla Grodd AU. Jeremy yeah. Hansen. Oh. They're all gorilla people living in the jungle. Okay, but I don't know who Gorilla Gron is or whatever the fuck you just said. Just a giant smart gorilla. Okay, great. Who runs his gorilla city. But all I can think of was that guy who was on the Patriots who was in the Tide Pods commercial, and he's all like, Tide Pods. That's Gronk. Totally different. <laughs> totally different. But in your AU, he can make a cameo appearance as Gorilla Gronk. Yes, Gorilla Gronk. There we go. It's yeah. come full circle. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the Grace plot thir- first, I think. Yes. So, before we get into the Grace plot, though, we need to take a brief moment to discuss what the fuck is happening with Grace's boobs. Yeah. It they is, are. There's something happening. It sort of looks like the rest of her got sunburned, but not her boobs <laughs> over the course of shooting this episode, but then they put her back in the revealing top. Now, Tess, I don't know, I know you don't know what this is like, but on TV, sometimes they put actresses who have tiny boobs in these weird outfits where they have, like, not cleavage as much as just, like, a full cleft. And it's very unnerving to me as a gay man. <laughs> like, I don't really like looking at that part of a woman's body. You don't the enjoy center. staring at the sternum. Like, when there's, like, it's not even, like, a tiny amount of space between the boobs not touching. Like, it's a lot of space. Like, it's a full, like... It looks like someone's done, like, those Jaws of Life things where they right. open the chest cavity. Right. Like, like it's like, terrifying to if me. You could, if you needed to crack Grace's chest, a la Grace Anatomy, yeah, it would be so you easy. have such easy access. You've got the boobs to hold on to, you just kind of just pull. You don't pull. even need to take her shirt off. Like, yeah. Like, just cut and go. <laughs> like, it's it's just, like, a terrifying forbidden zone, and it just unnerves me <laughs> I terribly. I was especially unnerved because, like, she wore the same outfit last episode, but this time it's, like, everything but her tits got sunburned, so yeah, her I tits were, like... This, like, beautiful pearlescent white. Poor Deborah Messing had, like, a bad summer or but something. But then the rest of her was, like, kind of pink and probably hot to the touch. And Maybe I was she just, made like, fun of her, like, makeup artist off camera or and something. And they, like, gave her, like, something she was allergic to. Yeah. Or, like, Deborah Messing, you're just better than this. Yeah. We were just worried about your health, Deborah Messing. Yeah. Like, are you okay? Are your tits okay? <laughs> are you going to be all right? And more importantly, is Grace going to be all right? This week's episode goes in almost a different direction than I was thinking, because I assumed, with them being on a boat, and me having only a cursory understanding of which side of Central America Guatemala is on, that they would just get in the boat and drive to Guatemala. Yeah, which seems, frankly, like it might be faster than any sort of air travel that happens on this show, because as you know, it takes 19 hours to get to a country that no longer exists. <laughs> but as it turns out, before they can decide to do that, yep. Grace finds out, somehow, that uh, Leo is not actually in Guatemala. Right. Because... And here's where the logic might come in. She has all of his bags. Right. With his passport. Yeah, she has his bag with his passport and travel documents. So, obviously, when he arrived in Guatemala, they would not let him in. Right. I don't really... It's not super clear how she finds that out. Like, does she find that out while she's still on the boat? Does she find that out when she gets home? Yeah. There's Time is fuzzy in this episode. She announces... She announces it once they're home, so one can only imagine that it happens once she's home. Because Grace, having found this love letter, probably didn't keep digging to find the passport. Yeah, Grace is not that sharp. Yeah. Um, so we get a lovely kind of extended slow motion confrontation where Grace, like, sets it up 
so Leo can find the letter. Right. And she can watch his reaction. And she can watch his reaction, which is a normal thing to do. Yeah, that's definitely something that you would do in a trusting and loving heterosexual relationship. It's just weird that she doesn't just leave the letter for him to find independently. Right. And then see how he responds. Yep, nope. She totally, like, tries to control the situation. Right, which is the wrong, from a Slytherin perspective, I would assume, is totally the wrong solution. Yeah, no, you definitely don't want to be that obvious about how you want to see someone's reaction to something. Right. You you want to see, once you know they've seen the letter, how they're behaving around you. Yes. Because you know that they've read the letter, mm-hmm. but they don't know that you know that they've read the letter. Yes. Yes. And they also don't know that you know about the letter. Yes, exactly. See? So, watching them open the briefcase... Or the, you know, the double bag is a clear kind of red flag. The whole thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then this is where things get confusing for me. So, Leo's initial reaction is to lie to Grace and say it's his itinerary. Well, and that's pretty normal. Well, yeah. it's to make it a, a lying joke. Yeah. And it's sort of like a joke because I guess we're supposed to be like, haha, Leo knows that Grace has clearly seen this already and that's why she wants him to read it. I mean, the envelope was completely shredded open. Yeah. She didn't even get a new envelope. Like, <laughs> come on. This is not sneaky. Like, yeah. this is this is basic stuff, man. You didn't have, a, like, a freaking legal-sized envelope in your house? Yeah, I don't. Probably not, honestly. Probably not. But, yeah, so Leo is sort of like, it's my itinerary, haha. And then he's like... Then he reveals this thing, which I think maybe in 2003 slash 2004, this might have been construed as romantic. But I felt like this was some Edward Cullen-ass bullshit. Yeah. And he tells Grace she should have snooped further, and she produces a photo album of a bunch of pictures of her sleeping, because Leo, quote, can't sleep unless she's sleeping next to him, and basically I wanted to throw up and then die. Now this establishes a couple different things from a medical and psychological standpoint. <laughs> One, Leo has failed to develop a sense that babies have, which is that people exist when they're not with you. Yes, he has not learned object permanence. Uh, two, he's a murderer. Yeah, he's definitely the creepiest <laughs> person on the show. Yeah, I mean, like, I can understand, like, I can understand having a photo of someone you care about that you take with you to other places. Right, that's Having a photo weird. of them sleeping. It's kind of weird. And three, it establishes that Grace and Leo both think that this proves that Leo is in love with her, which it doesn't. Doesn't? It proves that he might want to wear her skin. Yeah, it sort of feels like he wants to wear her skin. But, like, having even... Let's, for the sake of logic, let's assume that the photos were casual photos of them doing things and not creepy photos of her asleep. Uh Uh-huh. Having photos of someone you love doesn't mean... Or having photos of someone doesn't mean you love them. Right. It also doesn't mean that... Even though you love them, you wouldn't sleep with your hot doctor coworker right. who just declared her love for you in a foreign country that Where is very tropical and romantic. And you're nowhere near your spouse. Right. So none of those things prove that he is in- inherently, like that he would be inherently driven to fidelity. Like, right. it's just, it's very confusing that this is his argument. And also, can we please circle back to the fact that he's taken an entire <laughs> freaking photo album's worth of sleeping photos of Grace? It's a big album. How? He's probably hiring someone to go in and take the photos for him. Ah! Also, let's think about, like, I don't remember how photography developed in the early knots. Oh, no, you had to take that shit to Walgreens. So so let's just just back this up. (laughs) So Leo, it is voluptuous amounts of free time. Which he totally has because he's always home. He's always home. He's taking a bunch of photos of Grace sleeping. 
which already deal breaker. Uh-huh. But then he's taken those photos to Walgreens. Green. Or Walgreens. Yeah, right. To have them developed. So now Robin Williams in the movie One Hour Photo <laughs> has seen these photos. And it's and like, it's this like, man is a murderer. But I could murder his wife and get away with it. Yes. Is that the plot of One Hour Photo? I'm I feel not like it's sure. not. I feel like One Hour Photo is. I think the plot is that Robin Williams does do creepy things to people because of what he sees in their developing photos. But I think that he also sees a murder, so it's kind of like a sequel. It's like two-hour photo. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. And then following that, he keeps the photos in a special, this is my collection of gray sleeping fo- binder, which, again, you really only need one creepy photo right. of your wife sleeping, if that's really what you want it for. That's clearly like his spank bank, right? Yeah, maybe... Maybe that's the reason that Leo and Grace's marriage isn't going to work out, is he only is in love with her and wants to have sex with her when she's asleep. Ew. That's definitely a psychological disorder. But he definitely has it. I'm not a licensed psychologist, so I cannot say what it is, but whatever that disorder is, he super has it. (laughs) And it's... Okay, you know it's bad when even the show is like, aw, that's creepy. (laughs) Even Grace is like, bro, that's fucking weird. Grace realizing that something is creepy is, like, the lowest bar. Like, if Grace notices, you know it's bad. <laughs> Grace straight up did not notice that her friends had apparently just fucked. And that she had walked in on it. Like, she was just like, aw, you guys got a CD player? So, like, if she's like, oh, man, Leo, this That's is weird. creepy. Yeah. Like, it's creepy. Well, and then, like, the plot ends in, like, the most disappointing way, too. Because he tells her he has to go out to Doctors Without Borders. Uh-huh. Then he gives her a beautiful letter that he wants her to read before, she goes, before to she goes to bed. But of course she doesn't. And the letter says, I quit Doctors Without Borders and I'm right outside the door. Uh-huh. Which is just like, again, like weird and manipulative. Right. Like, and I, I think what the show is trying to do is to be like, ha ha ha, Leo and Grace get each other so, no, so well. So he knows that she wouldn't wait to read the letter. And I'm just like. No, it just sort of seems like he just assumes this shitty thing about her. And just because he's right right, doesn't mean it's a good thing. Right. And also, I'm sorry, why didn't he, like, again, even Grace is like, why didn't you just tell me? Because if he had just told her, he wouldn't have the psychological fulfillment of getting to, I feel like there is, like, a psychological word for this. Like, talking about Leo on this show, I wish I had a psych degree. (laughs) Because I feel like there is, like, a thing where, like, you are manipulating someone, so you deliberately set up situations where you can disappoint and then reward them, or it's maybe sort reward something. It's like a right. weird form of gaslighting. Yeah, it's like positive gaslighting. Or something. Like, he's setting up a situation where Grace is going to be disappointed. He says, I'm home for tonight, but I'm getting on an early flight. I'm going to Doctors Without Borders. Uh-huh. But he's not doing that. So he's orchestrating a situation where they have to... She's disappointed that he's leaving in the first place. Then they have to get up early so he can go to Doctors Without Borders, then he gives her a sad letter and tells her not to open it until later. So then she decides to open it then, feeling bad about doing that. And it turns out he's just waiting on the other side of the door, waiting for his, like, full puppet master plan right. to unfold. Like, he's just consistently manipulating situations so that he can be the hero. And it's gross. Yes. That's it's exactly gross, it. gross, man. And also not especially heroic. And also, like... Like, really low-level heroic. Yeah, like... And the fact of the matter is, having seen enough of this show, I also know that the payoff of this is not great, you know? Like, it's not like Leo stays home and him and Grace are happily married. The end. It is not that at all. And even if you haven't seen the rest of the original series, you know that Leo and Grace are divorced. Right. So. I don't know. It just, 
it's hard for me coming from the present moment to really believe that we were supposed to buy into this relationship. Yeah. And yet it kind of seems like we are like so much, so much time is given to Leo. Yeah. Like he kind of ends up, he's kind of ended up becoming like the Richard from friends where like, yeah. He felt like the seventh member of the gang, but also kind of on the outside. Like, he's kind of developed, like, that level of, like, recurringness. Right. And it's weird. Like, the show's asking us to buy into this marriage that is just not working. Like, yeah. It's, like, clearly surface-level stuff, like, basic communication. Like, hey, I decided to quit Doctors Without Borders because I didn't like being away from our brand-new marriage. Right. Is played so cheaply, and it's just, there's no emotional resonance to uh-huh. it. And it's like a fun, happy prank instead of it like being like that, hey, I decided to stay here for you. Right. And also, just speaking about buy-in, my suspension of disbelief with these Leo plots has really just, it's, I don't have it anymore. Yeah. Doesn't he have a contract? Like, can he just quit? I, I think Doctors Without Borders is volunteer-based, but even then, like, like now that village just doesn't have a doctor. Well, it has Dr. Morty. Well, okay. But I mean, I think that was like the original reason he went back to Doctors Without Borders in the first place, right? Wasn't it because some doctor decided just not to go? I believe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. And also, like, what's he gonna do now? I guess we'll just assume he'll go back to whatever hospital he was working at because yeah. contracts don't matter and employment is just whenever you show up on this well, show. And honestly, probably the only thing Leo is good at is being a doctor. Is it? We've never seen him doctoring. We have no proof that he's actually a doctor. That's a good point. He could be pretending to be a doctor the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's a big plot twist. That would really shake up a lot of Will and Grace lore, I think. <laughs> um, let's move on to Jack and Will. Okay. A happier plot. Yes. So A marriage plot. Not really. Marriage. So when we last saw Jack and Will, they were in bed together and they were naked and they were very upset. Yes. And that's exactly where we find them again at the beginning of this episode. Well, and the thing I love about this plot is that it completely hinges on the fact that Will and Jack have this moment and they talk about it and then they stop talking about it. But then they are just like completely like a disaster around each other. Yes. For the rest of the episode. Right. But I think we need to back up a little bit. Okay. Because part of this plot also depends on the fact that America doesn't want to know how gay sex works. Yes. <laughs> because, <laughs> again, suspension of disbelief is a little bit iffy there. Because if we are to assume that they had penetrative, full-blown anal sex, someone should know that that happened. Especially, like, okay, like... Like, the morning after, there should be some telltale signs right. if you got fucked in the booty. <laughs> right. Like... Not to get too graphic, America and the rest of the world listening to this. America, I'm about to get graphic. Your butt will be big after you do sex in it. <laughs> well, I just like... You gotta episode, stretch that shit out. The episode is like doing that thing that Will and Grace does where it's like, gays are just like us. But like America, gays are not just like us. Right. Ironically, they are just like us, but they're only like one gender of us, which is the definition of being gay. So right. like, here's the thing. Maybe, and again, gay, so not super aware Maybe a, a man and a woman could just like wake up in bed next to each other and they could look at each other and be like, I have no idea if I've been inside you. But that's because the vagina is self-lubricating. Yes. The butthole, however, is not self-lubricating and you need assistance of a chemical variety. Right. So there's one of two things happened if they had sex. Mm-hmm. One, there's a bunch of lube. Somewhere. Which they'd probably be like... Huh, it seems like there's a bunch of empty lube packets, but I don't know if we had sex. There is a puddle <laughs> on the sheets. 
but I'm not sure what happened. My anus is still a little oily, but not sure. When there's like an entire tub of Crisco. Or two. They decided not to use lube because they're idiots. Ow, ow. Maybe at most like did some light drunk rimming. And uh, then they definitely know. I, yeah, I mean, like, literally the only believable version of this, we don't know if we had sex ha- thing, is, like, hand jobs with blowjobs. That's right. the only thing that wouldn't leave, like, a telltale sign but again, on your anus. Because this is the early 2000s, no one would no one would say that it was sex. Like, right. in this very heteropatriarchal setup, mm-hmm. sex between Jack and Will is booty. P- is booty. Is P and A. Mm-hmm. P and A. And they would know. This concludes my TED talk. <laughs> but yeah, like it's just, it's, so like Matthew is a gay man. Yes. I work as a prevention specialist um, and one of the fields that I work in is the same gender loving field. Mm-hmm. So a lot of men who have sex with men. So like the two of us just sat there being like, but where's the lube? Where's the lube? And like Jack, like don't you, can't you, don't you know? You know. I mean like, and like it seems like they don't have condoms. So again, like. Like, something, something... Okay, so, like, for the purposes of this podcast, let's assume that they were very drunk. Yes. And they had condoms because they practiced safe sex. Yes. Maybe. And they had lube because they practiced comfortable sex. Again, maybe. Uh Uh-huh. And they maybe had sex. And if they had sex, they then... Will then was himself and cleaned the entire thing up. (laughs) But Including then, rubbing like a massaging aloe cream into Jack's butthole, so it would just, so you know, it, so it would heal overnight, comfortably return to its <laughs> its normal tightened state. Yes, or or in Jack's case, perhaps not as tightened state. And then threw all the all the stuff out the porthole so that none of it could be found in the room. And then again, still naked and got still drunk, got back, back in, in bed. bed. Yes, and so. also changed the sheets. Like the sheets right. had to have been right. changed. Just pull them right off. And put on new ones. Uh, yeah. So let's assume that either that happened or none of that happened. Yes. And move on. So yeah. This episode is hilarious. <laughs> it's fucking really funny. Like it makes up for the ridiculousness of its premise. Because they're just so uncomfortable near each other at, for like the rest of the episode. And like the thing that I love is that like there are actually genuinely a couple different ways that you could do this plot. Like if I had sex with a friend of mine. It would be genuinely very awkward, regardless of any romantic feelings. But right. Will and Grace, being a romantic show, goes right for the heart of it, which is that both Will and Jack think the other one is in love with them. Yes. It just, it does not cut, it cuts the crap and gets right to the, like, the, the core, where it's just like, nope, this person has feelings for me and I do not reciprocate. I have to let them down easy. And, like, there's a whole debate about whether or not they're really being honest with themselves. Because as we've seen before... And since, and, you know, Jeremy Baramy, like, <laughs> Will and Jack's feelings for each other are very complicated yes. and sort of borderline romantic. They are. I like, mean, we're even still playing with this in the revival. Like, like it seems like by the revival, we've kind of gotten the sense that, like, Will and Jack definitely have a platonic relationship. Yes. I think their relationship is kind of a little romantic, but it's absolutely not sexual. Yeah. Like, I think that's kind of where it, it is, and they right. don't know how to handle that tension. Like, Yeah, it's sort of like romance to the point of romance, you know? like It's, it's kind of almost, it's evolved into a relationship very similar to his relationship with Grace, which is also platonic and, like, a little romantic, but completely not sexual. Yeah, so, like, they're, it, 
like the show doesn't seem to know how to address these like intense emotional but not sexual relationships. Yes. And so with Will and Grace, they make a lot of jokes about how they're an old married couple, and with Will and Jack, they make a lot of jokes about like should we just have sex? Right. And like, ugh, sex with you would be gross. And it probably would be. Have you ever had sex with someone who you like like a lot as a friend? It's sometimes very yeah. bad, and they're wearing a Run DMC t-shirt, and you're just like, <laughs> fuck, man, I have made a mistake. Right? And, like, it, it you know, just because we're assuming for the state of this episode that Will is a top and Jack is a bottom, neither of which I, frankly, have very subscribed to, but whatever. I mean, even the revival refutes that, because we all know Estefan is definitely a bottom. Yeah, I, but whatever. We'll just assume for purposes of argument that they are both versed with a preference. Yes. But I, there's no reason they have to be attracted to each other just because they're both attractive men and like... They're gay. Right. It's literally the same hetero argument you see all the time, which is, well, you're both gay, so... Right. And like, I think you can make more of an argument that the kind of guys we see Jack bringing home are probably a little closer to Will than the kind of guys we see Will thinking about dating and then never actually following through on because it's apparently 1960. Yeah, Will's not allowed to date. <laughs> what is sex? I don't have that. I'm Will Truman. I am a Puritan. <laughs> but I just, like, you know. Sorry, like, I'm not imagining Will Truman in the Scarlet Letter. Like, <laughs> he's got, like, a big branded G for See, I was thinking more of, like, a chest. pilgrim hat <laughs> and a belt buckle. A big one. Yeah. Big and then one on the harness. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it's just great because, like, we get this episode where, like, they finally agree they have to talk about it. Because, like, they have to talk about it. And then, like, they're mad at each other when they realize the other one's not in love with them. Right. They're, like, mad at each other that they, that, like, it's twofold. It's, like, they're mad that you think I'm in love with you, and they're also mad that you think you need to let me down easy? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it just goes to this, like, really, like, ridiculous place where, like, they're really mad at each other. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they get over it, kind of. Right. And it's. It's very funny. And then they both kind of get very accusatory, and it's super great. So, like, Will's whole approach to letting Jack down easy is, like, he's going to have a plate of soft cheeses. Right. But then when it comes to the actual moment, Jack is like, you're trying to seduce me with these soft cheeses and the compliments to my top. (laughs) Which, admittedly, if you think about it, soft cheese, your top looks nice. It kind of seems like he's being seduced. Okay, I have a genuine question for you, because I don't ever really use the word top when referring to I would to never shirts. call someone's shirt a top, no. Yeah, I, don't, I just, I didn't know, maybe that was like a cultural thing from maybe. the mid-2000s. I think it's kind of a side effect of the show treating Jack like he's, he's a, a woman. woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if it was a woman's blouse, you might call it a top. And it might be have been originally a you woman's see, blouse. It, only, whenever I think top, like, in, refer, in referring to a shirt, I always think, do you remember Kelly, who did the shoes video? Yes. She also had another one that was like, let me borrow that top. <laughs> I want to borrow that top. And so whenever someone refers to a shirt as a top, that's, that's all I can think of. And it's like, mm-hmm. it, it, like, never ends. It's sort of like, and next up, we have the first verse of Mambo number five for an hour, and then let me borrow that top for the rest of the day. Wow. I can't read the article about cereal. <laughs> um... And this plot line resolves pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and inconclusively, I yeah. guess. Because Karen then pops in with her ongoing recurring plot and tells them that she went over the security footage and they didn't have sex, which, right. again, everyone should have known. Okay, again, they've been new. I mean, if nothing else, like, assuming you may or may not have already had sex, Jack could have been like, Will, will you look at my butthole and see if it's been fucked? Right. And like, last three hours? Uh, I Or hand me a, a hand mirror. Yeah, I... <laughs> 
Whatever. I will I will retire to the restroom in which I will inspect my own butthole. But of course then, because the show is funny and also never likes to resolve anything. Yeah. It ends with Will and Jack being very excited about this re- revelation and yes. hugging each other. And then realizing their bodies are touching. And more importantly, their penises are touching. And also it's kind of a lingering hug. And then they run away awkwardly again. Yes, and they're very weird about it. Because, you know, even an episode where we find out that Will and Jack didn't have sex... Obviously, has to be an episode where we deal with the possibility that they might one day have sex yes. and like it. Yes, and that would be very weird. Yeah, yeah. I also like. Let's just take a moment to back up. So the the also the implication there is that not only is the entire boat on security footage, Karen watched it. <laughs> so she's rich. She doesn't have a lot to do with her time. I just mean, if they had had sex, she would have watched them have sex. That is that definitely so many boundaries being violated she watches jack have sex all the time okay admittedly in the revival that does happen yeah like literally in the last episode of the revival we watched like yep she goes in and holds the camera while they live stream having sex yeah yeah which is really funny whatever i just what a show what a show. What a great episode back. I know. I'm so excited that we're back now. It was yeah. a good one. I, I'm optimistic about this season as a result of this episode, although I have obviously no reason to be. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see. We've got Leo the axe murderer and the unresolved <laughs> sexual tension between Jack and Will. I and gotta tell you, if this, epi- if this season gang. has a plot line where Leo turns out to be an axe murderer, I will be very surprised. <laughs> it will definitely be a twist for me. I mean, I will be too, because, spoiler alert, I've seen this show before, and I, I don't think that they've changed it since they released it on Hulu, hmm. but maybe. You never know. All right, everybody. Tess, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us on the internet if they yeah. want to find more Not a Couple. So, um, as I'm sure you've noticed, because you're listening to this episode, we post on Podbean and also on iTunes. But very exciting news, we are now also on Spotify. Yay! So, so if the way you're listening to this podcast isn't the way you want to be listening to this podcast, and Spotify is the way you want to be listening to this podcast, please find us on Spotify. That was a mouthful, but we're just going <laughs> to roll with it. Um, we're also kind of hoping to be on some new podcasting sites in the future. Yes. And we'll update you on those as they yeah, develop. Yeah, we'll keep on rolling them out. Um, but if also you want to like listen to um, our thoughts and feeling well, I'm gonna try that again. Okay. If you wanna read our thoughts and feelings on the revival, we live tweet all of the episodes on our Twitter page. We are at not a couple show. Um, we also post when we have a new episode and other fun thoughts, uh, including my complete outrage of the fact that RuPaul's Drag Race is now going to be on on the same night as Will and Grace, so we won't be able to watch them both, Ugh. which is just like the most upsetting thing. But whatever, it's fine. The gays are being hated. This is homophobia, whatever. Um, but yeah, in addition to our Twitter page, we are also on Facebook and Tumblr and other places, such as our email address, which is at, which is not a couple podcast at gmail.com, where you can send us a personalized message that you don't want the rest of the internet to read. All right. Thanks everybody so much for listening to us. Uh, we will be back next week as we kick off season six of Will and Grace. Season six of Will and Grace. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this is Ben, not a couple. Bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hi, Liza. Welcome back to podcasting. This episode of Not a Couple was sponsored by Two Hour Photo, the sequel to One Hour Photo, where this time Robin Williams has a job with a longer wait time, so when he sees... Leo's creepy photos of Grace sleeping, 
Instead of forming a stalkery attachment, he thinks about it and just calls the police on Mia. It's a comedy. <laughs>